0: Ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not give false testimony. You shall not defraud, honour your father and mother. Teacher, he declared, all of these I have kept since I was a boy. Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, he said. Go, sell everything you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. At this the man's face fell he went away sad because he had great wealth Jesus looked round and said to his disciples how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God the disciples were amazed at his words but Jesus said again children all things are possible with God. Then Peter spoke up. We have left everything to follow you. Truly I tell you, Jesus replied, no one has left home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for me and the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age. Homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, and fields, along with persecutions, and in the age to come, eternal life. But many who were first will be last, and the last first.
1: Good morning, everyone. Everybody, all right? Um, I looked at um, the uh, teaching program for the next few weeks and against my name it said Judy Moore Gold Digger, that was the title for today, Uh, I was a little bit worried but underneath that uh, fortunately it said when money is God, when money is God so that's the title of this talk, Gold Digger, when money is God and uh, we are in the middle of a series, Tim began it last week and we began it at Bourneville site last week as well, looking at this whole business of money and it's In some ways, quite an awkward subject for some of us. It's a subject that can be be quite private for us, can be quite awkward, can be quite embarrassing. Also, I think it's fair to say if you're visiting us and you're not yet a believer in Jesus, please don't think that this is all, you know, you're here because we want your money. I know that's often said, that's the opposite of what I believe this passage is actually about. This passage is about freedom. At heart, this passage is about freedom, and that is Jesus's heart for every person here, whether we know him or follow him yet today. So it's out of that place that we look at, what do we think about money? What do we as a world at the moment hear? What messages do we hear about money? First one, you might not have expected Mike Tyson to pop up so early in a talk, but here he is. Money is my God. If you think God will help you, then quit your job and see how much he cares. Uh, almost mirroring the words of Jesus in this passage, but I suspect from a slightly different motivation. So he's saying, test God and see if actually he'll come through for you. Well, I would say, and I'm sure many people who are here would say he's come through for us, that actually we've found him faithful in, in every area of our lives. Um, but in this particular area, God is generous. We, if we work at Starbucks or if we have that wage or above, are in the top 1% richest in the world. Now, I don't know, even when I say that, it floors me, if I'm honest. You know, it may not be a completely live statistic. I think I read it a year ago now, but nevertheless, we can quibble over the percent, but not the heart of what that says. We are blessed. And God wants us to enjoy it. He doesn't want a big guilt trip on us today. He, he wants us to come, as Michelle said, in gratitude that we are blessed. As we heard last week from Tim, he's lent us this money to do good. It's his money. And we hear the message that suddenly it's ours. And that's where it can go so wrong in our hearts. Henry Heiner, back in the day, said, money is the God of our time and Rothschild is his prophet. Um, uh, the Bible all the way through is trying to urge us through the scriptures that money will be a distraction, particularly in the Gospels. Jesus speaks more about this, more about our attitude to the poor than hardly any other thing. And yet often it's one of the things that we don't like to talk about or hear, but we must know if we read the words of Jesus, if you've got one of those Bibles where his words are in red and you look it through, it is something he is passionate about, that we honour the poor in our community and the we give gladly. In 1 Timothy we hear this, for the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. So again, we hear this heart that actually God does not want us to be destroyed by money. We've called this series The Beauty of Money because we wanted to say money is a good thing. We didn't want to say, all ugly, horrible money. That would be ridiculous. We know it feels good to give. We know that actually it feels good to bless others. Uh, interesting take on this painting, uh, not quite the original, but the fact that actually money can get in the way, that we reach out for God and somehow it's money we've got in our hand, that actually we know there's a deep craving in all of our hearts, but somehow the, the world tells us that money will be the answer. And some uh, some words here that are wise from dear Robin Williams, who says, cocaine is God's way of telling you you, have got too much money. Uh, Sad but true I would think that actually sometimes and many times it is when people do well there's a surplus and that can lead again to our own destruction in many many ways as he's saying there. So at the heart of this passage I think is a tragic figure. The rich young rulers, he's called in other gospels, not in Mark, but in other ways, comes and he is a sewn up character. He is a guy, if you like, who comes to Jesus and looks sussed. He's got it all sewn up. He's done extremely well. The Bible says that he's young, could have been about 26, 27, that's young for me. Um, and he is, he says, I'm, I'm here. He falls at his knees. He knows there's something special about Jesus. He knows there's something that Jesus has that he lacks, if you like, and he says, "I've been a good guy. <laughs> I'm living my life well." And Jesus challenges him. You know, he says, "Well, you know, how are you doing with the commandments? You know, are you defrauding anyone?" That's actually one of the things he asks him. You know, are you being honourable to those commandments? And he says, "Absolutely yes. Have done since I was a boy." Now, how many of us could actually say that? He, he says, I am a good guy, and he is. And Jesus looks at him and he sees his heart. And he says, you know, I've lived well, I've, I've not really put a foot wrong. In other words, paraphrasing, he says, I'm trying really hard to be a good person in every way. I really am. And I don't know about you, I've got friends and family that I really see that in. They are good, good people who are trying to honour and be good, but they haven't got the one thing that this guy lacks. They haven't found the grace of Jesus. They haven't found the grace of the kingdom because in our own hearts, in our own lives, in our own efforts, we will never be enough. We will never, if we walk the tightrope of trying to be good and I tried that for many years in my teenage years and failed and failed and failed and just thought, okay, I'm out of here, I can't do Christianity. Why? Because it was all about my effort to be good, but actually it's only when we understand this infinite, incredible grace that Jesus shows us that we can't help but want to give back. And that's the heart change that we want to see in this passage, and we don't see it, do we? We don't actually see it. A lovely girl at the first service, I won't name her, although she might tell you the story herself, said, oh, Judy, you have to tell them this in the second service. She said, when I was a student, I drank away my grant money. And she said, I'd drunk it to the point when it was finished. So there wasn't enough money to to carry on her her studies. She couldn't tell her mum and dad, she was mortified. Uh, So she just went to them for a good meal. You know, you ever did that? I remember that. Going home for a good roast or something like that. Going home for food. And at the end, they had a visitor there randomly uh, from the parents' church, who just at the end of the meal, got up to her, nearly gave her name then, got up and said, there's some money in here, I've just emptied my purse for you. Um, it's for you, I just, I just wanted to give it to you to show God loves you, £180. Now, the reason that that story really touched me in the first service and encourages me is she didn't deserve that. If she was here, she would say that. She didn't deserve it. It wasn't like this guy coming in and saying, I've done good, you know, is it, is it okay with me and you in the kingdom? It was the opposite of that she had blown it, but God said, I love you and I'll be generous. And that's us today. We've blown it. We've sinned, we've fallen short, and yet God in his grace has given us so much, so much, that actually how could we help but give? My favourite bit of this passage is this line here. Jesus looked at him and loved him. What do we think it's going to say there? I think judged him. That, that's what I read. I expect Jesus looks at my bank account and judges me. Jesus looks at my spending and judges me. What this passage tells me is good news and bad news, isn't it? He looks and he says, no, I love Judy. I love Matthew. I love this person. He looks at the guy, he thinks I love him and therefore I want him to be free. And that's what he says to us today. In all of our giving review, when you meet with people later on, really encourage you to do that. It's just a great way to check in with our heart. No one is here to judge today. This is coming out of the love that God has for us and out of the freedom that he longs for for all of us to be free to give to the kingdom. And actually, as we look today, as Michelle said, as we kind of reassess where we are, some people will be in a worse position than they were a year ago and may need to pull back, and we understand that. But equally, there'll be others of us who think, no, out of how good God has been to me in a whole host of ways, I just want to give more. So Jesus looks and loves the man, and he says to him, there's one thing you lack. In other words, there's one thing you haven't quite got actually, money is still your god, and he tests him and he says, you know, are you prepared to give everything, all your stuff away or actually is that too great a price? And do you know what's really sad is that the man goes away and actually sad is not enough of translation, it actually says he goes away in grief he goes away in grief because Jesus has presented a kingdom of generous grace, of the fact that we can't outgive God, the fact that whatever we give, He will give us more. And yet, the guy doesn't trust Him enough. A bit like uh, Dave prayed earlier on, doesn't trust enough. He says, "No, I'm just going to have to hang on to it." A few years ago, I was speaking at Sizewell Hall in Suffolk, and uh, some of you will remember the story, I told it when I came back, uh, about a woman there who could not accept God's love, absolutely fundamentally couldn't. She scowled through all the sessions, walked out in a couple, glared at me, and uh, really did not enjoy the weekend's teaching at all. And um, at the end, I prayed with her, and she just said, I can't accept this love you're talking about. It's just too hard for me. And... um, I remember praying for her and we prayed, let there be a sign by this weekend, before it's over, in communion even, that she is fully loved and accepted and it's one of those prayers that even when you're praying it out loud you're thinking well there's only 40 (laughs) minutes to go until the end and I haven't got much to say and I was looking at my notes thinking that's not going to cover it and just thinking this is really really bad now God you have to come through and if you remember the story and I've not often focused on her there was a student there 18 years old who looked down in the worship she's just worshiping went talking about giving at all she looked down at her watch and her watch was her favorite thing we've all got one this was hers it was embossed with a dove on it beautiful it was a really beautiful watch and it just caught her eye in the worship you know I love my watch and I can imagine if that was me and God starts to say would you give that up which is what he did I'd be like not the watch God <laughs> take anything but not the watch not the watch because I have that materialistic vein in me some of you know I've struggled with this I grew up in Serbiton I've grown up uh, with quite a lot of of that message really um, that's not a joke by the way I did up <laughs> <laughs> and it's not a made up place it's a real place um, but actually what she did she looked at the watch and she said okay God I'll give it away just because I love you and she didn't know why she did it to this day but she just got up out of 200 odd women went over to this one. Maybe she'd seen that she was quite grumpy, I don't know, but she, she just went over to her and she just said, I'm giving you this today. I'm not really sure why, but it's my favourite thing. It's the thing I treasure the most and I'm giving it to you because God's told me to. Now if ever there was a moment where if she could easily have thought that's a bit random, isn't it? You know, I think I could have batted that down really and thought, oh, you're just being a little bit crazy there. You don't need to give your watch away. We're just having a lovely worship session. But no. The Holy Spirit convicted her enough to say, don't hang on to it because even in that she's not free. But as she gives it away, not only is she beautifully free, but a woman now and forever knows that she is loved. And many of you know at Spring Harvest France two years ago, I bumped in three years ago, I bumped into that lady. And the transformation in her was like the best makeover you could ever have seen or put together. She just looked amazing. Why? Because she knows she's loved. she's free. So there's a chain of freedom when we give that the world doesn't fully understand and doesn't speak the same language of. And actually when Peter says, well, we've given up everything to follow you. So he's almost coming at it again and say, we've given up everything. And Jesus just reminds him, he says, actually, I'll just go to this. No one has left home or brothers or sisters or mother or fathers or children or fields for me will ever fail to receive a hundred times in return. In other words, you cannot outgive God. We cannot outgive him. Now, please don't think I'm brushing over this because we're going to come back to this. This is the bit that got Bourneville all in a, in a bit of a tiz last week um, because we were looking at this. And Jesus basically says to this guy, he says, Look, children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle. Now, I was of the generation, and I hope I'm not alone, I wasn't anyway this morning. Um, that were taught that this was to do with a gate in the temple or a gap in the temple wall and the poor camel had saddlebags either side of things that he was um, taking through and he had to take them off and sometimes the rider would have to take off in order to go, go through this gate. Did anyone else get taught that? Oh okay, okay, there's quite a few of us. Well, I thought that was quite good (laughs) because I thought that means you've got to kind of let go of your stuff. I get that. You've got to give a little bit up here, a little bit up there. Give that over and then in you go, you're entering into the kingdom. That sounded like a quite a suburban (laughs) safe sort of (laughs) teaching for me at that point. But actually, as I have read and others have advised and uh, we've we've got into this in preparation for today and looked at Barclay and uh, Tim Keller and others, Um, They say that there's no such gate, no such gap. That actually what Jesus was referring to was something in the Telamud uh, that Jews would have known and understood and and in their scriptures and actually in the original it was an elephant that couldn't get through an eye of a needle. And they're, They're kind of like parables or jokes in a way but they're extreme in order to say it is impossible. It's not just negotiable, a little bit of this, a little bit of that, get you through, it's not possible. So we think, hang on a minute then, we're in the top richest percent possibly, give or take, and it's impossible for a rich person to enter into the kingdom. But it is really, really important that we understand that what Jesus is saying, who knows the heart of God, what he's saying is, money can't be God and God be God. That's the thing, and he sees in this rich young guy that actually money is still God. That he's saying, how can I work around this and have eternal life? And Jesus is saying, well, you can't. Actually, you lose your life that you may gain it, just as Jesus did. And you know, it's okay for him to ask that of us. Why? Because he did it. He was the rich young ruler, if you like. He was the one who had it all way beyond what this guy had. He had everything. In God, in heaven, everything. And yet for 33 years of his life, he lived and worked and died among us. I was hearing yesterday somebody tell about a man who spent a year as a wolf <laughs> and living as a wolf, eating as a wolf. I, it was on the radio. You can uh, tell what brilliant programs I listened to. But nevertheless, I thought about this and I thought, you know, imagine living as a wolf. You know, imagine giving up all we have and living as a wolf. That's only a proportion of actually what Jesus gave up in coming to earth to die for you and I. And so, as we approach Communion. As we look into our hearts about our money and our giving over these uh, few weeks that we're doing this, there is an opportunity to be free. That's the beginning, the middle and the end really of this passage. It is an area that is difficult. It is an area where we're allowed to test God. It's not true of much in the Bible, is it? But actually we're okay to test him on this and actually to find him faithful. Think back to the story of our student who even when she didn't deserve it, God in his generosity, gave way more than she ever deserved uh, at that point. And she says she always goes back to that now as a sign, actually, that it's all about giving from a place of grace, that it's because he has been so good and so kind to us. A friend of mine is writing a book at the moment, and they're interviewing put to um, ten of the top CEOs in uh, in Britain and the uh, America, and uh, they 've said what 's the killer question that you like to ask someone who's coming into the organization who you really want to see fly? What are the killer questions and uh, the guy, I think it was the the CEO of Tupperware actually who said my killer questions don't go to the person I'm interviewing. He said, my killer questions go to the person who picked them up from the airport, to the receptionist who greeted them, to my PA who had to uh, sort of see them in for the interview. And he said, because I want to see into the heart of the person as to who actually they're here to serve. Is it them or is it us? And so actually throughout our lives, whether we're at work, whether we're looking at our money today, whether we're looking at our worship, there is something about, there's a cry in all of our lives for that servanthood, for that surrender, for that giving over that Jesus finishes with. And he says, you will never outgive my God, that actually not just in eternity you will be rewarded, but here in this present age, And there are many stories we heard from Choo Choo First Service as well, just about when she arrived here just with a hundred pounds and how she has always found God faithful. We cannot outgive him in this and everything that we lose, we will gain a hundredfold. I wonder if we could just be quiet for a moment and uh, maybe just think about that phrase, Jesus looked at the man and he loved him. And he looks at us and he loves us. He's given up everything for us and he's given us a kingdom. He's given us the treasure, if you like, of his eternal, eternal presence. But he's also given us money to use, to bless, to enrich others, to care for the poor, to show his love, to show his kindness, to show his beauty to show the fact that he is ultimately so, so generous. The inner essence of worship is the treasuring of God as infinitely valuable above everything else. The outer forms of worship are the acts that show how much we treasure God. Therefore, all of life is meant to be worship, Because God has said, whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, all of life, do it all to show how valuable the glory of God is to you. Money and things are a big part of life, and therefore God intends them to be a big part of worship, since all of our life is worship. Lord, let that be the hallmark of us, that we are generous with the things that you have lent to us that the hallmark of this church and this community is the kindness that you have shown to us, the grace that you have shown to us, poured out again into this community around us. Lord, as we do the giving review, as we start night shelter this week, as we in community groups and life groups seek to just pray together and collaborate with your spirit about how we can bless Birmingham and beyond. We pray that you would keep our hearts soft and our lives fully surrendered to being part of your beautiful kingdom. And God, I just pray if there's anyone here today who perhaps like this guy in the story, just thinks that sounds great, but the cost is too high. I Just pray that wherever you are, you would know that God looks on you and loves you so much that he says, I think you're worth everything to me. So we surrender our lives afresh to you today. Whatever position we're in, we say we don't want money to be Lord. We want you to be the Lord, the everything, the King
0: in all of our hearts today. In Jesus' name, amen.